Hey, and we are back with another episode of the Rob J Show. I'm here with a special guest, a uh, young lady who I've watched progress and, you know, take her talent and and do what you're supposed to do with a gift, you know, not play with it, you know, really work work it, uh, is excellent at her at her, her trade and audio and, and has leveled all the way up to now being the owner of Lion's Heart, so, is this the largest black-owned uh, production studio in Houston? It is. Okay, look at you, girl. Look at you. And on, on top of that, they provide uh, comprehensive audio, visual services. I think when Drake was in town, wasn't that y'all who, who yeah. broke their head? actually worked that event with us. You know, you had, you know, this was one of the first black women I've seen with a drone. You know, she's been, a, she's been ahead of the curve. Uh, also has, uh, you know, her event space and it's just... All around a beautiful person out here doing it. And, uh, hey, welcome to the show, Nia Dillard. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I've never called you Nia Dillard in my life. No. Okay. Hey, how you been? I've been good. I've been um, just focused, working on my business, and, you know, that's it. That's what's up. That's definitely what's up. Now, you, guess-wise, a lot of people don't know, like, we used to be engaged. We were, you know, <laughs> 2012, I was in, I had to move to Oakland, so it didn't work out, but. We was always able to stay amicable, you know. Mm-hmm. We ain't never even had an argument, Naya. Never. We, hey, you good people. Tell me this. There's a couple characteristics. Just to clear this up, we, we were never engaged. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. Uh, here you go with the truth. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one of the things, I, from the time I met you, you had, like, zen-like focus, was on your grind, and... Uh, you always had a, a spirit of excellence with your with your work. Um, and originally, when I met you, you were basically with a, doing audio at at uh, churches. And what what was it about? Is that just a work ethic that you've always just exemplified? Anything you do, you just have to be the best. Or was it just something that you just kind of connected with? You just found your your thing and just kind of. I think anytime you do something that you're passionate about, you want to see it. Uh, to its fullest potential and I think anytime you slack it's not you're not you know working that thing to its fullest potential so anything that I do I'm always you know working my passion um I try not to do things that I'm not passionate about so when you see me working or whenever I put for energy into something I'm doing that you know 100 percent no that's what's up that's definitely what's up and for you coming out uh and now that we're at a place in this American economy where people are now starting to embrace the idea of picking up trades and traditional college, the traditional four-year route isn't being just shoved down our throats anymore. And you are somebody who took a non-traditional route as far as getting into audio engineering, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went to, um, I actually went to Media Tech Institute. And from there, I interned at House of Worship. I worked at House of Blues. And, you know, from there, I just, I launched a business. But even before Media Tech, how did you find your way to, I mean, you graduated high school mm-hmm. and. I graduated high school and I told uh, my family that I was not going to school for a while. I said, I'm taking a break. I'm not interested. And then I went to a community college for business and, you know, computer technology. Um, took a break from that. I was, I just never really found something that really like click with me. Mm-hmm. Um, until I saw an ad in a newspaper one day and it was like, you know, production school. So I wanted, I actually went to media tech to do um, more music production stuff because I wanted to be a music producer and a music writer. And from there I had to learn how to be an audio engineer. So I was kind of thrown in as an audio engineer and I came out, you know, with that being my main thing. Oh, that's what's up. That's, that's awesome. And I think that's, uh, that's dope though, that you were, you were patient enough with yourself to allow yourself to to find, you know, the thing that uh, that you connect with, you know, like I, I tell, just just was telling my young brother here, like you know, let that let that adventurous spirit lead you mm-hmm. to, you know, what it is you're gonna find, and there's no shame in, you know, you know, trying however many things until you until you land in in that place of of uh, something that that you connect with. So when you um, and when you went to media tech, you know what? These technical schools have come a long way. Like these, like you were there. Well, I remember when it was first starting up. Uh-huh. Like now, what you say? They got all type of full. I mean, yeah, it's it's like a full. It's a credited school now, right? Now back then it wasn't. Um, 
It was just, um, it was Sunrise Studio slash MediaTek. They had a couple of production rooms, and now it has expanded to something much bigger. I so. had a couple of AV cores, two fish, and some barley loaves, and you were there. <laughs> you know. Right. But, but nah, that's, that's, uh, nah, it's amazing, like, how, you know, as, as we've, like, advanced as a society, how quickly how quickly we're able to inst- install a set of skills on, on people now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now the teaching is getting better and it's amazing. Like one of the, one of the future upcoming guests that I'm going to have, we're going to be exploring the cold camp, um, but where basically people are literally in six months wow. going from not knowing a lick of code to being $80,000 engineers. So, um, I just think that's really amazing, like, the way that these schools are able to just install, you know, almost um, that type of information with you. So, out the gate, like, when you started wanting to go there as a music producer and then you're kind of deviating into this live audio, did you just kind of float with it? Did you see that that it was an opportunity in that space or? Um, Well... I, I, I guess I saw that it was an Well, I actually, I always, um, whenever I stepped into a studio prior to being in media tech, I was always interested because I was always technical. I was like the girl in school that was, I was the only girl in high school that was in like architect class or CAD drawing class or IT class. So when I saw, you know, the audio consoles and stuff like that, I kind of fell in love and wanted to understand the engineering side more um, mm. once I got, you know, more involved. Oh, and then, true. you know, from there... Um, as an audio engineer, you see a lot. You you get to actually be an instrument. People don't understand that you're actually when you're mixing a live production, you're a part of. You're an instrument as well, um, or you're you're working with an instrument to to blend. You know the overall sound. So it's just like to me, I look at it as if I'm a keyboard player, I'm a drummer, I'm actually instrumental in in that production. So um, that was part of my um, that was my. Uh, my part, my way of, you know, being part of the production as far as, um, you know, music. But when you say, like, for someone non-technical like myself, mm-hmm. in, at least in that discipline, how would you, how do you, how does the live audio mixing, what about that experience, like, connects that to being, like, an instrument? Like, how? What? It's artistic. Um, for, so for, a per, for when you're blending music, um, I can't. Yeah, I was about to include him, but when you're blending music, that um, that becomes part of like, like like if you're listening to a song, uh, if you if you're mixing from scratch, you actually. Um, that's why most people said there's an art to mixing and mastering. Mm-hmm. I know you've been in a studio before and you know what your raw vocals and raw music sound like. And then when your producer actually put it together, they actually made an art piece. You know, I sound good raw, but yeah, I, I, got the, I, yeah. I get the point, though. So yeah. it, it, becomes a, it becomes a masterpiece or it becomes an art piece once you're done with it. So a lot of the live production stuff, or even in the studio, um, you actually, that's that's like, it's, a, it's an art. I feel that. I definitely, and I, I really... I, I just wanted you to, you know, just dive deeper in that because I'm really starting to see this thing with creatives, especially when you get outside of the instrumental, outside of the people who have the physical art tool in their hand. Uh, a lot of times we don't connect with sometimes what we're doing as art. I'll never forget Pug, uh, Pug Tunes told me this one day. He said, that, uh, you know, if if you... If you treated your pen like a saxophone player, you don't see your pen as a as a uh, instrument, you know. Mm-hmm. But you know, a saxophone player can go broke, be sitting on the side of the road, but they still know they had a saxophone in their hand, and they still know that you know there's something that could be created. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "But if you love that pen like it was an instrument, no matter what was going on in your life, you would know that you could pull that thing out mm-hmm. and create something." And I never heard someone really describe it that way. I was like, "Dang, like that actually." makes sense like this is a tool that can be used to just i mean really just out of thin air just create stories uh mm-hmm. you know ideas and i think uh i like when but i do think it's important to do what you did like you saw the connection um you know on a artistic level that uh you know i don't know if, if other audio engineers that i've met that were on that journey necessarily saw you mm-hmm. know so that that's pretty uh that's pretty pretty dope when you were doing all of this, um, 
was it how did your progression go like how did you go from media tech just getting started to mm-hmm. bossed up you know what i'm saying two three properties you know <laughs> all the outside you feel me I, um, you know. <clears throat> well from media in media tech um one of my classes i was working with um one of my instructors in my actual music production class where we were just learning about music and you know music theory he was a producer for House of Worship. Most people say, well, House of Worship, church, basically. He's a, a producer for church, um, and he was doing a live recording at one of the mega churches in Sugarland. And he asked a couple of students to volunteer to be a part of that. And when I volunteered to be a part of that um, production, that church saw something in me that day, um, and they asked if I would want to be an intern. So I, um, I was still going to school, but I was interning at... Um, I wanted to be, I, I, I want to say the name, but uh, a, a church in Sugarland, and I was I became the audio tech director for children worship. Well, their children worship was like what you see in a, a, a an average church in their main in their main worship facility. I mean, they wow. had the lights, the video production. The, you know, they had the big VBS, the Vacation Bible School, where you you know had major productions. So. From there, um, I was there for about two to three years, and then I um, I had a friend that was a video producer there at that church that got a job at another church, was a predominantly African-American church, um, and I, I um, submitted to be the audio director there. So I became the audio director there, and kind of from that point, I had to oversee the whole production. So I learned lighting. I learned more video production stuff there. And um, be, from audio director there, I became a the tech just, director. Let me just pause you real mm-hmm. quick. Like, so how much experience did you have before applying for that audio director position? I just had the audio experience that I had as an intern, as a paid intern um, at that first church. See, hey, see, I, I wanted you to say that. A lot of people out here are letting these job descriptions scare them and punk them out of opportunities mm-hmm. that's really theirs. I tell people, especially people in the, in the um, in tech, man, half the time you're getting interviewed by somebody who doesn't even know what they're talking about. Exactly. Like, so, especially uh, in this in in our field. Yeah. Um, but one of the things is that um, I was actually working. Um, I always had like, you know, pretty good jobs or whatever. But I was working um, doing some technical. I was a technical trainer at um, at Hewlett Packard. And I had to make a decision because I was making about, you know, at that time, about 40 plus um, as a technical trainer. And then they offered me, and I'm going to be, I've never told anybody this, but they offered me to pay the internship for for $15,000. $15,000? $15,000. So I had to make a decision. Do I want to, you know, continue to be a technical trainer for Hewlett Packard, not knowing where this would go, you know? Um, Or do I take a leap of faith and take this $15,000 gig and get a second job? And that was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life because now I have my own audiovisual company. Yeah, now you make about forty thousand every two weeks. So you know, you, you know, I, I see, hey, I see this money on you. So, no, that's hey, that's what's up. That's definitely what's up. And I see, you know, a lot of people who I um sit down with and they tell different journeys, and it's always people from different. Well, it's never really two people that did the same thing, but it's always a humble beginning. And it's not even like it's not even like a humble beginning, like alert, alert. This opportunity is going to lead to something big. It's right. just something like, you know, a small church internship, uh, you yeah. know, uh, just. And I think people, you know, I think now um, I think we've fallen in love with a sexy story. Like we want mm-hmm. it to be this heroic journey. I was up. And mm-hmm. a lot of times it's something really small. It's something like. And it's, it's something very subtle. It's something, um, you know, and I've had Toby on here. It's, it's uh, oh, that Chance the Rapper thing you did was dope. Do it again. Do it every week. It That's, like, literally how mm-hmm. life-changing information comes. It yeah. doesn't come like, you know, hey, I've been thinking about you, and this would be a great opportunity. It comes yeah. as something subtle, mm-hmm. something, like, really almost, like, insignificant, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, no, that's, that's I mean, and it's just confirmation after confirmation when I hear more and more uh you know, people's people's story. So the once you, you started progressing and now you're audio director and you're doing that, um, are you self-teaching yourself like the lights and the other disciplines and everything? Well, I, as an audio engineer or as a, as a tech in the field, when you're um, working on gigs, a lot of times you 
work with people who have been doing this for a long time and you kind of learn along the way. So you have mentors or you have people that you work with that may teach you lighting or a lot of the stuff like lighting was self-taught. Um, some of the stuff that I, you know, I learned by working other gigs with other companies, but I had to dig in and understand lighting because that was, you know, under my belt in that, you know, department at that church. So. No, that's what, that's what it is. That's definitely, you have a, wow, you have, why you, why you not making films? Why you? You and it is crazy because actually at that first church that I interned with, I had to go to summer camp and they gave me a, a van full of equipment. They were like, take this. I was all by myself. I had to set up, break down. And they were like, take this video camera too. You got to shoot this video of the camp, highlight video. I've never touched the camera in my life. And you got to come back and edit it. And that's when I learned Final Cut Pro. That's when I learned to chop. And it was actually a really good video. And from there, I was like, okay. So I progressed with video from, from that point on. No, that's what's up. That's definitely what it is. And your grind, again, like, I mean, your grind, it goes down on the list. Like, I've met a lot of people, and just, I mean, just calling a spade a spade. Like, I've met a lot of people in Houston who think they have grind, but I'm like, bro, like, I, no, you don't, man. Like, I, I moved here from L.A. Like, it's not the same, man. Like, no, no, you... You go to the studio a couple times. Like, no, these people are homeless and live in their mm -hmm. studio and wake up and, like, but you have, like, your grind can go anywhere. Like you, you get into this like it's almost like a a, a zen phase. I'll be like, man, it's like I was almost like you were like in some type of nirvana while you working because you <laughs> like just handling stuff and like and and your go mode was just like all I ever remember about you is just you always working something like you always just being like mm -hmm. just on the run. Like what do you? How do you? Did you care about work-life balance, or were you just I, like... I didn't understand it. Um, it wasn't until I went to counseling to my counselor said, you need to understand, you're going to look up one day, and you're going to realize you didn't spend time with your family, you don't have a love life, and you don't have any kids, If you know, if that's something that I desire. But it was like, you need to really, <clears throat> excuse me, work on a work-life balance. So I've actually um, been working on it. So that was good. Yeah, it's a whole I lot. I try better. to choose up. You ain't answer the phone. I try. I try to choose up on you about like oh nine. You know, that was back. You used to have that hat. You know, <laughs> like dang, you, you. I told you you was doing baseball enough. You was answering one every five calls. So I was like, you know yeah. what? This is gonna be my sister because you know. I've always. I mean, I've always been the person to have Rob, duplicate, don't chase them, duplicate gigs. Um, and then on top of what I was doing through the years, you already know we were in, you know, um, in the scene together. We were music artists. Yeah, we got so, song together. You we did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like hopscotch. <laughs> got to think that we hit the jackpot. <laughs> hey, you know. Yeah, Jan do. Yeah. Summertime Jenny. Yeah, summertime. You know, it's you know what we ain't gonna we're not even going. He is Andrew DeWalt now. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't want to say his name though, cause you know about. You know, about every, every, I had a while where about every, uh, every other, uh, I need you to take this one offline too, bro. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that one there. Cause you, uh, you're my moving that. I done had to scrub half my YouTube page. Oh, hey, man. hey, man. It's summertime. It cost me about 25000 I was going to put some of that stuff out. I yeah. was like, man. But no, nah, but uh, he doing, you know, a PhD, you know, him, I mean. You know, it's it's not that it's a PhD. It's the fact that it's 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 what you wanted to do, and you actually mm -hmm. are pursuing it. You know, so I'm happy for him, man. So even though he don't never call or nothing like that, but it's all good. You know, <laughs> still my guy. But uh, nah, that's yeah, that's what's up. We was uh, we was on the grind. You had what was oh, what was your out? Forty three miles to empty. Forty three miles to empty. Yeah. Hey, you know, you had. You should have let me. You should have let me help you with some bar work. I would have had a whole different lane for you. I'd have had you like in a lawn. I'd have. I, I'm telling you, you know, but not to say you ain't know what you was doing, but I'm saying like they ain't have that lane was wide open. I know. You know. Anyway, man, back to, back to your your <laughs> anointing and your blessings. You know. <laughs> um. So, what drove you on your journey? Because we still got to got to backtrack on some steps. But mm -hmm. when you talk about it's 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 something real interesting going on. There's like a mass healing going on in the in the black community right mm -hmm. now. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of not all of us, but a lot of us are becoming aware of like, hey, man, you know, there's it's things. an awakening. I, yeah, that even better word. Mm -hmm. So, um, like, what? See, I always knew I was a little crazy, but you know, like, what, what, uh, what led you to, you know, really realizing that, hey, you know, let me 
seek some help, you know, to get better or to get, I don't, not necessarily better, but to understand myself more, whatever the solution it was. Um, being confused um, and understanding that there were some things that went on in my childhood that I know that I was dealing with. So a lot of times when you're dealing with stuff and, you know, you can only go so far by ignoring it for a long time and then finally you like, I need to, I need to get this off my chest. I need to talk to somebody about this. And when you go to counseling, you just don't deal with that, you know, one particular issue. You deal with a lot of things that, you know, may be affecting you in your life. So, And it's like, how does it, how does counseling work? Do do they just kind of start and just you just start going through? You go through an evaluation um, when you first go in. Well, every counselor is different, but most of the time they kind of get the you fill out a you know paperwork or you go through like a initial interview and they kind of get to understand you know what's going on with you, what triggers you, what kind of issues you're having, and then they go from there. Do you think it's healthy for us to to uh, look at our friends and our tribe as a form of counseling um or do you think we might be doing ourselves a disservice as far as this uh black folks because we you know a lot of us counseling is chopping it up with the homies now some some sometimes that can have a healing a healing um element to it you know my boys have got me through a lot of stuff but do you think like uh people shouldn't let people shouldn't consider that counseling and still see I don't. I think counseling is, 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 um, I think it should be something that you do with a, a professional. Um, cause there are some things that, you know, they're trained for. There's some things that they look for. That's some things that they've dug out of me that I didn't even know was there. So I don't think that, you know, sometimes your friend, friends can do that. But I think that when you really want to zone in on your personal issues, you need a focused individual that's going to do that for you. And then in that, uh, how did you go about like selecting the the counselor that you uh, you wound up with? Uh, I was referred um, to the counselor. I wanted something that was um, non traditional. So when I heard about you know pillows on the floor and you know that's my style where I could be comfortable and it's you know at a home office, I was like okay, this sound, I I didn't want anything stuffy. I didn't mm-hmm. want to go into a place where I felt like somebody was going to judge me, and then I went. I didn't want to go to a counselor that I felt like didn't understand my culture. Okay. So that that's what I um I chose from you know that point. Now and I've seen some massive results from a lot of a lot of my friends and just my I'm 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 such a Negro. I'm thinking to myself like you know what. Your counselor good, but how am I had the same counselor as you? She be to talk my business. You know, I was just like that was that was before my <laughs> my my fragile ego it was you know you know uh, strengthened a little bit. But uh, I definitely want to want to uh, explore that because have you ever gone to counseling? Um, therapy and kind of no. Nah, I mean, well, actually, in undergrad, in undergrad, mm-hmm. we had uh, the psychology professor who also was a yoga master who also. Uh, was a spiritual reader. His name is Dr. Dana Denard. He, was, he also was a filmmaker. He t- he was, I probably was at my best as a young man when I was around him. Like him and my uncle uh, in Atlanta, I consider them like, you know, outside of my dad, mentors. And in, in a lot of ways, uh, they were able to get through to me a little bit easier than my dad because, you know, in this dictator little country, you know, uh, you, know you, you get tired of hearing certain things, you know, but when it, with them, uh, it was like, I was like, oh, wow. Like I could, I could actually see the impact of what they were doing. And then also, my dad, now my dad is a very interesting case because my dad really, he turned me into a cage beast, you know, like basically, just just calling it what it is. My When I was growing up on Saturdays, because my parents were divorced, mm-hmm. um, and my dad is, was a triathlete, you know, by the time I wake up, he's like about to go ride like, uh, you know, 100 miles on his bike. But what he would do is he would leave this long list. I want grass cut. Grass cut this two pages of this uh, two chapters of this Akbar. I want to know the capital of New York, Pennsylvania. This that this that and that. Uh, I want a report on this. I want dishes washed. I want sedges. so the list would be like oh, wow. the list would be like five hours or six hours worth of mm-hmm. worth of uh, work. Right? He was only going to be gone for four hours. So instantly, and it's me and my cousin. Right? So instantly, we're already in a scramble. And in the beginning, when this when this happened, when we when we're young. It's like it's a challenge because we're just trying to like, hey, it, you know, it, it's fun at that point. Mm-hmm. But when he would come in from biking, it would be like we would think that we got something close to done. And I mean, we are giving 110 percent. He's like that, uh, you know, you nope, didn't cut that right. 
uh, no, didn't whack this. This need to be redone. Let me see the report. Nope. Detroit is not the capital of Michigan. So it was like he would be like more excited about finding what mm-hmm. was wrong mm-hmm. than, you know, there was no allowance for like, oh, son. And, and my dad, at that point, my dad, basically my, me and my cousin were raised as brothers. So there wasn't really a, a, an allowance for like, okay, look, y'all got 12 out of 15. Okay, so good job on this. And then now we're going now we're gonna go and work on this. Right. So what, what happened was as a young man, I became my own dad. I had, I couldn't make a to-do list that had three things. My to-do list had to have, you know, 17 things. I can't celebrate a small victory. A lot of demons that Mike Tyson had, I had. Mm-hmm. I either have to be magnanimously great mm-hmm. or I have to tear down the whole village. You know, mm-hmm. like I can't I can't work my way through, a, you know, adversity or nothing like that. And then being an only child and being a, a legacy child on one side and then also being a child on another side of the family just like from straight poverty, I'm living in so many different worlds. I've never had a friend I could relate to. I don't have nobody who I went to more than one school with, you know, my whole life. So, yeah, man. So a lot of it. But on the flip side, it made me special because I could, you know, move into different places and, you know, meet people very, very easily. But, you know, uh, the end game was that my dad became a different person just off of straight gratitude and meditation and all this. So seeing his healing has become inspiring because like now he's like my best friend, you know? Mm-hmm. So I always say, you know, he made me a cage beast, but he came back and gave me the key, you know? So, you know, wow. so I guess, you know, it just turned into the Rob J interview on Rob J episode, <laughs> but no, nah, but uh, that's hey, sometimes just talking to someone else, you know, yeah. seeing someone who's healing, it makes you look at your own self. Right, dang, I think I have, you know, mm-hmm. but no, nah, that's, that's definitely what's up. So like, uh, is when you start when you start that process, does it wind up just being like an ongoing thing, or do you are you ever like just healed where you don't have to go back? To no, um, one thing a, a counselors would tell you, and I don't I don't think it's just for the money. Most people would be like that counselor just want me in here forever, but you know, um, you should probably start off a regular schedule, but you should always ha- have a counselor that you go to, whether e- even if it's just once a month, once a year, once a quarter, you should still always, because you're always growing, you're always evolving, so yeah. you don't get to the point to where you're like, I'm good, like, you know, um, you should always, always seek counseling. Oh, that's what's up. But when you first start off, you figure out a schedule based on your needs, so if you, if you messed up, you know, that might be once a week, but... Um, some counselors may just see you once a month. Just depends. I was going like every other week, um, because I had some stuff I had to deal with. Oh, that's what's up. That's definitely what's up. And it's amazing how like when when you when you moving around and you grinding like that, it's amazing how much stuff can just get kind of swept under. Mm-hmm. You know, just especially one of the hardest things that I think, uh, especially particularly for us as Black people, is to appear successful to people on the outside while internally uh, you're hurting mm-hmm. because it's almost like you feel like you're disappointing someone mm-hmm. by not. And that's a weird, that's a very hard way to live, you know, and I, uh, that's why I try to have a, at least a couple friends where it's like, hey, bro, you know, between us, you know, this was going on because, you know, that's how people really create their own prisons, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you know, stuff like that. So, um, so <clears throat> if I work for Lions Heart, y'all gonna give me some health insurance, you know. Blue Cross Blue Shield me up, you know, like. Yeah, we got you. Ah, okay. So, all right. Um, look back on your your business grind. When you started, when you were doing your um doing your lighting, like it just seems like you were on this journey of where you just kept picking up skills and you just kept picking up skills, kept uh, building relationships. I've never met anyone who doesn't like you. Um, you know, so your your network is just strong. Um. And you stayed in it. You just built from your your skill set and just built out. It wasn't like you know it was organo gold this week, you know prepaid legal that week. Like you was just <laughs> you was just there with it, and um, it just seemed like it was just like a constant progression. So when you go from when you go from directing now you had a visual, how does that turn into? I think when I, by the time I met you, you were at uh, doing stuff at Higher D. Or you were mm-hmm. were you were you audio yeah. director there? I was a tech director there. Okay. Um, so I was a tech director there, and then at that, I was still working at House of Blues at that point. But I think I was at that point um, in 20, I think, 13, um, 
where I felt like I outgrew all of it. I was like, okay, um, I'm at House of Blues. I mean, I've done everything. I've done every concert you can think of, I've, I've, every configuration, every setup. I've been at this church for a while. I've let these different teams, you know, you might have a team of 25 volunteers to several employees. So it's like, what's next for me? And that's when I was like, you know, a lot of people were calling me. I was referred a lot to other places, other, you know, for other churches to help their teams. So at that point, I realized it was time to start my own company, and that's when I came up with Lion's Heart Audiovisual. Okay, and how, what made you uh, pick that name, Lion's Heart? Um, it's twofold. Like I tell everybody, I'm a Leo, um, and then it was always it was also an affirmation for me to have a Lion's Heart hmm. because. Um, you know, me, even though I was doing a lot of this stuff, it was easy for me to hide and be behind the scenes. And I was very timid. Um, uh, with, uh, you know, in my life, I grew up very shy. I didn't talk to many people. So I just wanted to, um, you know, encourage myself along my journey to just be lion hearted. Wow. That's, hey, that's dope. That's, are you only child? I am. Hey, yeah, shout out to, <laughs> hey, you know, we a special breed. You get it right once, you know, yeah, it's. <laughs> One and done. Hey, no, that's what's up. But um, my, I wish I had siblings. You know, I had a stepbrother yeah. for like uh, I had a stepbrother for like two years. This dude was like the coolest. His name's Jay too. This dude was like Benny the Jet. And roll bounce mixed in one. Yeah, he's like four years older than me. You know, when you seven and you got an eleven year old brother that got a fresh bike, clothes, video games. To this day, I be following him. Like, I like one of his posts. You know, every now and then. You know, cause I ain't trying to be all friendly, but I just want to. You know, I'll be checking my. I was checking my my DMs for so long. I just thought I was gonna give the DM one day. Robin, is that you? He ain't never hit me up. I had to hit him up. Like, oh, come on, Jay. So, uh, no, nah, but he's he's doing real well. Just got engaged. Shout out to Jay Knotts. But, um, no, nah, that's what's up. Your whole time, have, have you ever lived somewhere outside besides Houston? No, I've never been anywhere outside. Wow. So, you are a true Houstonian. I am. You went to Aldine, right? Aldine High School, yeah. Aldine, Aldine, Aldine? Yeah. Well, I didn't right. go to Aldine, but Houston. Uh, okay, Stovall, uh, Middle School, Aldine High School. For real? Yeah, it was a change for me. I grew up in um, the northeast on the northeast side, so I grew up in the North Forest District, the only all-black district. Um, so, you know, when my mom told me we were moving, Stovall was, like, predominantly, you know, white and Hispanic. So I thought it would just be the worst thing for me because I wasn't used to that. And that district, the district that I was in was kind of behind on the learning, you know, um, curve or whatever. But it was actually better for me because it, it exposed me to a lot more um, and I I can just imagine where I'd be right now if I stayed in the North Forest District. Yeah, you hey, you about the finest thing to ever come out of the North Side. I ain't North Side ain't have no lookers growing up, man. I know I, I'm just I'm gonna just be real. North Side ain't have you know I know equality all them they people gonna you know say what they want. North Side ain't have no talent growing up. I don't care what nobody say. You know, I ain't, you ain't, ain't nobody in their life ever went to Astro World and be like, man, I, man, I had this, just this girl from the North. Ain't nobody ever went to Carnival and said, man, they had this cute girl from the North Side. It's never been, in the history of adolescence, no kid ever said other those words. You know, hey, now, as adults, some beautiful women live on the North Side. But growing up, nah, hey. They should have been putting pouring rose petals <laughs> at your feet. <laughs> Northside didn't have no heat. <laughs> anyway, yeah, That's I digress. Right. But uh, coming out of, uh, did you have? Is your family were was anybody in your family into like audio or musical background or anything like that? No, um, my mom loved me. She always played music, but that was it. Like you know, I learned what was a hot song off of her. You know, by by listening to her and when she stayed in the car and we drove in the driveway. We never get out the car because we listen to the hottest stuff on the radio. But other than that, I wasn't exposed. Um, other than my uncle, he played piano. I wasn't exposed to any um, music or audio engineer, nothing technical. Wow, no, nah, that's wow. So first gen. So what you um, what you coming up and what you doing the audio and what's your level up? You know, I'm going to tell you one of the hardest things about small business, in my opinion, uh, is having not necessarily having having uh, money, the illusion of having money, even though that's already accounted for. A lot of people, you know, one of the big challenges, especially when we was an undergrad, it was hard for us to know that we had $10,000 and not spend it. You know, that was just like that was just like at the end of the day, we did not have a uh, we did not have 
I mean, any financial discipline. At 20 years old, we made $40,000 for our first first three months in, in business. We had this stuff with Vibe, this stuff with that. But we just didn't have a reinvesting spirit. We was acting like we was, you know, paid in full or something. Like, we just, you know. But you always seemed like you you were not only on the, the, uh, the talent side, but you also, uh, at least... Uh, seems like you always reinvested into your business. It seems like every time I come over there, you got a new toy. So, was um, well, with that, you know, you always have to with audiovisual equipment only lasts a few. I mean, not last, but it stays hot only a few years. You know, when you're working with audio consoles, like mixers and stuff, that it's only gonna last for about five or six years until something. You know, I'm talking about the hiring and stuff until something new come out. So you always have to stay on the up and up. Um, when your clients need something and special lighting and stuff, you always want to make sure you have that cameras. You already know you can't be walking around here with an old camcorder when you got DSLRs and mirrorless cameras and all this stuff now, reds and, and everything. So you always have to stay on the up and up. But as far as discipline with, you know, finances, um, until I started my business, I, I didn't know what an extra couple thousand dollars looked like. You know, yeah. I always like, I guess you can consider, you know, living check to check with, you know, especially with the pay cut that I took to go intern and then work with the other companies that kind of threw me behind. And it's just, you know, I I didn't know what it was like to to ball. Oh, but well, you so found out, huh? You know, because I, I call myself Rob J 10X. You 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 10X your situation. You you 10X because one day, I yeah, I got this new uh, fancy Lions heart. I walked in there and looked like... Damn, we're about to make Jumanji in this spot. <laughs> like, it was, I mean, like, but you hear, like, you we're used to, like, hey, man, I got a studio. You know, and it's like, okay, when I hear studio, okay, someone's dropping 16s. It might be two or three rooms, but not, like, a production studio. Like, uh, when you went that big, because I don't remember, like, a, it wasn't like a how I got a smaller one. I went, You just, like, you just went Grant Cardone style. I need 320-unit building. Like, you just... And that was, that wasn't the goal initially. Um, I you know when I looked around the other venues that I saw were a lot smaller. However, um, when I saw this particular venue, I saw the you know the exposed brick walls and the concrete floors, and it had a lot of character. But I I didn't just want a, a studio to do recording in and, and small productions. I wanted people to come. I wanted to you know have something to where people can hold their special events and stuff like that at. So it was just the right, right amount of space for what I was trying to do. Yeah, and then uh, roll off some of the illustrious events that's come through your place. You have a national, you got a couple of acronym groups, you know, NSBA, NSBA, NBA, <laughs> uh, the NSBA, the, uh, I, I, is it National uh, Black uh, Engineer Association? Um, we've had private parties. We had casino nights. We've had a lot of different things. Genuine came through to a private party. Um, we've had a lot of special guests. Um to, I can't even name off the top, but you know, and even the stuff that I'm planning to do in the future, going to be a lot more people coming through the, the, the space. So most def, most def, and like, what was it when you when you decided to make that jump and you just went big like that? Was it like you know, you, how did you make that decision? Was you just nervous? Were you anxiety? You just prayed up on it? Like, you, where did that conviction come from to be like, hey, I'm just about to, I'm all in. I just felt it like with everything that I do. Um, and I think we mentioned that earlier about, you know, just doing everything with passion. Like a lot of stuff I'm led by, I want to, um, I'm led by like what I feel like my spirit. Mm -hmm. So I just felt like when I was in that place, that was the right place for me. It was literally like five minutes away from my house. Um, it was in the perfect areas side of town that I needed to be on. Um, the people that I was working with to get it, you know, done, everything just kind of fell in place for me for me to say, um, this is it. And even though after that, I went through so many challenges. I mean, I think that after that, like I was broken down to where I never thought I could be broken down. Um, and I, even then people would tell me, you know, you probably need to walk away from this. And I was like, no, you know, cause I felt like I needed to go through the fire, um, in order to do what I'm about to do. Oh, that's what's up. That's definitely what's up. You follow a guy named um, uh, David Goggins? No. Oh, this guy, he's he's amazing. He runs like 200-mile races. Uh, you know, he was um, sitting at his house one day. He was like a roach inspector or something. A bunch of roaches ran out. He was 300 pounds. He turned on TV. He saw buds and was like, I, I need discipline in my life. Like, and goes to try to join the Navy SEALs. They tell him, you know, you're fat. 
you know, um, you can't join. Uh, one guy gives him a shot, but he has to lose 140 pounds in three months. Uh, no, 106 pounds in three months. He does that. Uh, he's the only person to go through all three special forces, um, special forces training. One of them, one of them, he uh, had to do over because he, I think he had like maybe broke a leg or something. The guy uh, ran a, a, a 200, I think it was either a 100, 200 mile race to the point where he was uh, urinating blood and had to had two shattered like legs and wow. had taped them up. But he just is about like suffering to build crevices in your mind to get to, you know, the the next level. I mean, now he basically is, you know, the baddest man on the planet. He has a world record for like the most pull-ups. Um, and he and he's, I think he has a book about to come out, you mm. know, um, but he's, he's intense, you know, now I don't know. Part of me sometimes I wonder like, okay, is the intensity only applied at physical, mm -hmm. but it's not though. Cause he was like, I have a learning disability and I pass all these tests and like just oh, anything wow. the dude sets his mind to, it's like he just attacks, but he attacks it with, see, the thing that's unique about him is he has the ability to be hard on himself while at the same time praising his pro progress. Mm -hmm. And that's like the sweet spot that I think most people struggle with. Mm -hmm. Like I've come a long way, but I learned this actually from Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson has the ability to, you know, laugh at his mistakes without self-deprecating, you know, mm -hmm. and like this, it's a lot of times it's just a thin little uh, you know, slip it between, you know, uh, being extremely responsible or being extremely toxic. And he's just like has that balance where he could he goes hard, but he doesn't beat himself up, but he doesn't lie to himself. Mm -hmm. And it's it's uh I think you like him. I I'll send you some of his stuff. That's awesome. What you reading these days, scholar? Um, right now I'm reading um I've been having this book for a while and I put it down, picked it up, um, put it back down. So now I'm like, let me finish this book and it's how successful people think. Uh, by John C. Maxwell. I have a lot of his books, um, but that's what I'm reading currently. Yeah, I, think I used to uh, I used to live by his 21 Irrefutable Laws. Oh, yeah, 21 Laws of Growth and yeah. Invaluable. Yeah, that guy, he's getting some amazing books. Give me a ism. Drop a nugget on me. <laughs> oh, nah, I can't think of anything right now. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, I have one, uh, actually, one of my homegirls, Lady Hip Hop. She dropped this one two days ago. Peace Brings Wisdom. Wow. I, I was like, yeah, that's you. You have just earned yourself a lifelong spot in my journal because peace true. brings wisdom. That was, that was a, the ism of the week, but um, no, nah, that's what it is. So what you uh, what you do in your downtime? You um, downtime. I am. I'm a foodie, so I love going to different restaurants. Um, I love like chasing good food in the city of Houston because it has changed a lot over the past ten years. So many people have come to the city and bringing new ideas and new restaurants and stuff. So I do that. Um, that's like my entertainment. Um, I try to do yoga. Um, and you know, just just do fun stuff. You know. Now I feel you on that. When you um, with what you're doing right now. In in with Lions Heart and in the production side, because I just um I just just was shooting just some words of encouragement to uh, Q Guyton the other day, just telling him how important of a role what he does is, you know, to the community, whether he sees it or not. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you think it's gonna take for us to have a film? I'm not saying we need to be at, uh, or even we need to be Atlanta, but you know, we have the space, we had a, I believe we have the talent on, you know, um. What do you think it would take for us to have an indie film community that, that put out consistent quality material and created some, you know, some people that broke out? Um, I think we just really, and Houston is, you You already know your experience with the music industry here in Houston. I think we're so, it's like we're so small, but we're, I can't even say it. We're, we're too divided in the city. Um, every it's, it's kind of, to me, I think it's cliquish. So I think that until we actually come together and, you know, really build something together, we'll never have a, a film industry that they're like in Atlanta or in L.A. But see, I always I, I guess the only thing reason I thought film might be different is like I, f I feel like film is almost like a like a joke. Right. Like uh, I don't if I don't know you, I'm not going to listen to you rap, you know, but a, a stranger could come repeat a Richard Pryor joke. And I'm going to laugh if it's funny. It's a, it's like mm -hmm. an honest medium. I, I feel that way kind of about, about film or video. I think generally, you know, I've always felt like people aren't that prejudiced amongst watching something because we, you know, I send you a video, you're probably going to watch it. If I send you a song, you may or may not listen to it. You know, um, but you think yeah. even in with, with that, there's a yeah. a clickish um, 
I I do, and I think that we really don't have, um, we really don't have any major production studios that are like examples for us in the city. Yeah. Um, and it's like I don't know if we're on a race to see who's going to be that you know person to to have that big production studio. Um, because you know you got Tyler Perry Studios and then you have other studios in you know Atlanta and other places. So I don't I don't know what it would take. Honestly, I I don't. I know we have Houston Film Commission. That's a different you know. Um, group of people, but I don't know. If I if I uh, if I sent you a a bomb script, would you ride with me? I'm not saying you know you know put the bag up, but you, could you support me with some you know some lights, you know cameras, you know I got a I got a film I'm, I'm I'm writing. Yeah, sure. All right, you know verbal agreement, you know you be held accountable in uh, some it's, states. It's being recorded, so yeah. Hey, that's what's up. That's definitely what's up. I would love to make a short film. I had this, uh, I got a couple ideas, but I would love, like, I really enjoy, you know, being in Dustin's film. Oh, by the way, you know, brother nominated for, you know, Academy Award, you feel oh, me? Oh, you? Yeah, you know, short films get nominated, you yeah. know? Yeah, so, you know, I'm, a, you know, Academy or not, you know, nominated, festival actor, you feel me, going to Atlanta. <laughs> Just, this is this is the truth, you know? You know, so, uh, I don't want, I don't want to get typecast, you know, they, Everybody want me to play a cop now. Like, hey, man, you know, give me, let me get a gangster role in here somewhere. Let me, you know, let me, let me get a, a Tay Diggs moment or something. Like, you know, like, let me, don't, let me get some. I want that Morris Chestnut money. Like, you know, mm. so, okay. uh, you know, but I really enjoyed that. Like, I had a great time. I was in two films last year. And it was, I mean, it was one of those things. Like, when I be, when I be auditing myself, like, hey, what do I really like the most? I never get mad. I've never... Like, if I'm having a bad day and I start making content, I start feeling better. You know, like, it just, it's something that's always fun to me. So, I would love to do that more often, you know. Yeah, I've actually never been in a film, but, you know. You want to act? I'll write you a role. I'm good. Oh, you could, we could probably be like cousins or something, you know. You'd play, you, you know what, you probably play like a, a fire cousin. Like, you know, we went to, we probably like have a film, like we had both went to TSU, something like that, you know, and I was trying to, you know, hustle, and you was you was like really you know focused on your books, and then I got you know, hey, we, we, hey, we might work make that work, you know, yeah, you know, you know, shout out to TSU. But um, so what's next for you? Like, what what do you what do you do from here? Like, are you just are you is it about building? You know, uh, would it be is that horizontal or vertical when you add more services? Do you see yourself like just expanding your your service offering, or is it uh, more locations? Um, so I can't really get into exactly what I'm working on right now, but um, hey, hey, we don't do secrets on the ride. Hey, we show. do secrets in my business. We don't do. Hey, we don't. Hey, <laughs> hey we, you we got too do, many hey. people that's like, I, man. I, let me tell you, and I, I don't want to go into details, but I I actually was launching something earlier this year, and I put it. I, I started launching that, start promoting it a little bit. I put a description, and. Uh, later in that day somebody released the same thing with the description and they launched the same idea i mean and it was too unique for it to just be you know some a coincidence so i learned to keep secrets they say keep quiet until you're ready to really like you know launch something so um so basically what i'm working on is you know i have the the audio visual production background and then i have the facility so now I'm working on doing more productions, um, more event and creating experiences in that uh, in the facility. Um, when I first got the facility, it was predominant or it's been for the past two years just outside rentals. Most of the people that come, they rent it. You know, they we assist them with, you know, bringing their vision to life. Mm-hmm. But now we're going to create um, going to have an in-house creative team and where we develop a lot of the um the content that comes out the out of the production studio. So, um, that's not a venue in the city, um, and I'm probably talking too much. But no, no, that, no, no, no. I mean, no, I'm talk. telling too much. Uh, oh, okay. Um, yeah, but there's, that's what we do there's, there's not a venue in the city that just push out all of their own content. Um, okay. Um, and, and and that's all I'm gonna say. But I'm it's 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 gonna be great for the community, for the culture, and um, it's gonna be dope. No, that's awesome, and that's like, and I feel like that's one of the greatest challenges for a a service provider. Is to serve themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. Like even in my time, like the day I took a dollar to do a website is the day I stopped being a coder. 
And at that point, I was a developer. And at that, mm-hmm. and the thing is, it's very hard once you are a service provider to invest the time and, and energy that it takes to actually build a, uh, you know, build something of your own. You know, even though you have all the skills, you know exactly what to do. Um, but the reward is delayed, though. You know, mm-hmm. uh, when, it, when you're doing it for yourself. So uh, that's awesome to see you. You know, that evolution. Because I remember you, you know, dropping a little clues about this. You know, about a year or two ago. So. I see you, you know, progressing on that and moving forward. I ain't going to, you know, share your business. But I already know about that move. You're talking about the 3375. You know, we know about that. He don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> no. No, that's, that's, uh, no, that's, that's definitely what's up. Um, how, how many, how have you handled uh, management and, and moving on from it being just about Naya, to being responsible for Naya, to now being a, I hate the B word, but you know, uh, boss, not you know, being but, a boss. Yeah. It's not easy, especially a woman in this industry, um, especially with managing guys, because hmm. predominantly it's a male industry, um, and a lot of guys, a lot of people that I hire are males, just because you know um, that's 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 predominantly the people that apply or that I recruit. Um, but I'm open to working with females, of course. I I, I promote that, but. Um, it's tough. It's tough, honestly, just being a a black female in in the in the in in this industry, in the audiovisual industry. You know, people look at you; they don't take you seriously. Um, we may be at a, a five star hotel getting ready for a big production, and they're looking for the boss, and they may go to the the guy that's just a loader because he looks like he would fit the description, and I just look like I'm a, I'm the help. So, um, it's tough, but. You know, that's one thing that I'm working on, my leadership skills and trying to develop that more so I can be a better boss. Yeah, no, most definitely. And I think, uh, I mean, even looking at my own progression, one of the areas that I'm still working on right now is the ability to delegate. You know, and it was just one of those things where it's like I got into technology because I had emptied my savings account. My grandma's, I mean, you know, every a lot of stuff that was left for me, this guy just basically just robbed me. So even though I I didn't learn about cold out of just pure love it was a little bit of vengeance inside of it mm-hmm. too you know so um it, it made me like real hesitant to even though i mean it's it's they have so many checks and balances now i mean if you're hiring somebody off of uh upwork i mean they they don't even get paid until it's done but i just didn't have that spirit of, of delegation but it's mandatory you know because it's only it is you know i had that issue too especially being the only child you know you're working by yourself a lot and then as i progressed within my career i was always working by myself i was always detect the lighting engineer whatever so having to delegate that and trust somebody with it mm-hmm. to do it just as you know in excellence as you would do it and you know not knowing if they would drop the ball not knowing if you could leave them alone with the client that that's a challenge yeah, no, nah, no, nah, it most definitely is, and um, and yeah, and a requirement, and it's and one of those things where I learned that because I wasn't delegating, I was really leaving my strong point, you know, and mm-hmm. and uh, so now I'm doing um, uh, I'm doing a website, and you know, I'm acquiring the photos for somebody, or I'm trying to edit someone's copy, or I'm trying to do this, and then I was like, you know what? I work at this university. We we do pretty pretty efficiently well because the copywriter writes copy, the photographer takes photos. Mm-hmm. You know the uh, whoever does this, and I, I develop webs. So part of me was like, okay, yeah, but man, you know, but some people some people they don't have you know photos or they can't pay for a logo or they you know they don't necessarily have photos. And then I had an aha moment when I realized, well. If they can't afford photos and they can't afford a logo and they can't afford a copywriter, they can't afford a website. And that was like my my come to Jesus moment with myself. Like, and um, it, it allowed me to, because I always have, have overextended out of not wanting to delegate instead of just finding a writer, finding a this, finding a that. Um, and you know, and in the next level is not only just delegating to people here, you know. Can you delegate to Muhammad in Pakistan, or can you delegate mm-hmm. to you know? Because that's mm-hmm. especially in the tech space, you know. That's true. So, um, you go to any conferences or any? Are you a part of any like network mastermind? You no, know, accountability. No, not a part of any network. I go to some um, creative um, conferences um, and some tech conferences throughout the year. 
um, maybe every other year, depending on my workload. So this year, I'm actually going to go to another creative conference in, uh, in November, October. That's dope. Hey, I never see you online, or uh, very rarely. Uh, I mean, on social media, should I say? And I think uh, you kind of validate my theory. Like, I, I think the people, <laughs> <laughs> the people on social media, live in this vacuum uh, of issues that never happen. I ain't never heard of nobody, no couple in real life, arguing over who should pay fifty percent or not. But the the fifty percent debate, all of this. Funny thing is, I just didn't want to interrupt you. You know, there's a ten. There is a legion of women on Facebook right now that believe that if you call a woman a female, it's disrespectful. Mm. And I guess I'm like, I still don't understand the logic. But I mean, everybody. Anytime I'm around like a woman who, I'm not gonna say that. But most of the the intelligent women I've been, they've never even heard of this concept. But, no. You know, there's a there's a legion, and not just women, of people who just are on Facebook and just want to beef all day. You know, I'm on a, I'm actually, this is the first time in my life I'm actually on a mental diet. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, uh, and it's not just Facebook, because I was listening to so much Skip and Shannon and Sports Radio. I'm like, <laughs> bro, are you going to go to communication school and try to work for ESPN? Like, how are you, you... It's the off season. <laughs> it's the off season, and I'm uh, I just spent five hours listening to about Kawhi, skill, <laughs> skill. <laughs> yeah, yeah skill. I think I think like, um, for me, I mean I I scroll. Uh, you know, uh, most of the stuff that I follow is like zenish. You know, it's like positive affirmations, things that like catch my attention that can help me grow. Um, cause everybody use social media for something different. Um, of course I still have friends that may post some stuff, but I, I, if I, I want to be exposed to something that I don't have in my reach right now by way of the internet, okay. you know? So I listen to videos, I listen to motivational speeches and stuff like that, but to get caught up into like the latest trends and you know, yeah. what people are doing and the newest challenges, I think that's just all a distraction and I can't stay focused or grow my business if I'm entertained by that. So. No, nah, most definitely, most definitely, and hey, I'm starting to see a pattern with the winners. So yeah. that's a uh, nah, that's definitely what's up. And and I realized that, and, and most people say, well, you you know, you on it probably more than you post. I feel like posting gets you caught up into the likes and then the comments, and then yeah. you're online ten hours by the time you post, you know, two or three photos a day just by, and especially if they're selfies. I I don't get anything out of a selfie. Like, yeah. Now I will say I have seen a, I have seen people who are are doing really well off of it, but what they're doing is they're creating communities and yeah. and that it's a shared interest community. So right. if I have a financial literacy group or a wholesale real estate or right. you know whatever audio video, and that's all we're that's what we're talking mm-hmm. about. We have a control framework of what we're what we're discussing. I think that can be, be you know valuable. But yeah, just being on there, just kind of reckless, just throwing, mm-hmm. just tagging something and just seeing mm-hmm. what what sticks and. And it's actually not really an intelligent way. I was just just having a um, a debate with a brother about this today. Like Facebook is not an not an intelligent way to exchange ideas or even debate uh, with somebody who ha- who shares a different belief. Like a perfect example was I had uh, I had a question about feminism uh, because it's the saying men are trash. Mm-hmm. And um, now granted, because I I know primarily black women, I felt like I asked the sister. I was like, hey. When I hear men are trash, I hear a silent black in front of men are trash. You know, it's almost like there's it's an implied Mm -hmm. black men are trash. And she was like, well, no, actually, as a black man, you probably see the implication because you've only heard black uh, black women say it. But it pisses white men off, too. Mm -hmm. And white men hate hearing men are trash to the point where now if you post something on Facebook with those words in it, it'll get taken now. And that's that's uh, something that white men actually had you know uh, done. So because I asked her that offline, and I went to someone who actually knew what they were talking about, my my question was answered. It wasn't a, if I would have put that on Facebook, it would have been seventy five yeah. comments. This idiot, this and that. Uh-huh. <laughs> like so, and you, know, you would have been consumed with all of that. So yeah. yeah, I just I don't I don't I don't engage in a lot of that. Yeah, energy protection is real. That's why I didn't watch that. Uh, what's that the, about the Central Park Five? Um, I don't know what the name I of didn't, I I started watching it and I just cut it off. I couldn't do it. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, same here. Yeah, uh, you know, protect yourself at all times. All you know. times. Hey, I had a great time sitting here chopping it up with you. You got anything um coming up or you know that 
you want to let the people know about or uh, um not right now not right no, now not right now okay and i got your uh i have your your social media so we'll for sure uh make sure that people can uh, access you and i hope we didn't really just like i, I really hope that we, i was able to paint the picture of like the amazingness of who you are and what you've done because it's a it's a real it's a real story of someone just really you know showing up every day and you know just taking just basically operating in excellence for an extended period of time and you know but you just don't talk a lot you know mm -hmm. and that's the thing about it I feel like I was just telling my, my homeboy quality. Now I got him on the program. Now I'm like, bro, I need three pictures for you this week. You know, the one with the cigar. I need that because I'm like, man, these people are out here marketing our lives better than us. Yeah. You know, there's I, I know people that market themselves as not dealer. They ain't mm -hmm. not dealer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, uh, no, that's that's what it is. I'm proud of you. I'm uh, yeah, and I'm I'm sure that it's more greatness to come. Um, it is July. Right now, I need you back on the show before October. Okay. That'd be perfect timing. Oh, okay. See? You see how God works. All right. Hey, it was a pleasure. Uh, hey, we'll leave the floor to you to close out. And, hey, thank you again for your, your uh, time and your energy and your insight and all that you shared. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Hey, you can't beat that. Hey. <laughs>